to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash. Not sure if I'm going to heaven. At this point in my life, all I can hope for is the low humidity point of hell. And Dale Hummel. I ordered one chocolate and one vanilla milkshake. Now on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel, along with co-star Ryan Rash. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Ryan. It's an exciting day here in Illinois. A little cold, a little rainy. Had a nice trip to the American Royal and wanted to make a few comments about that. And I know that you and I... We're just shocked that you want to make comments. I do. I have a very strong opinion on the fact that Glen Allen Phillips, along with the staff there at the American Royal, were able to pull this off. The effort that was put in to make that happen and as an exhibitor or the, the parent of an exhibitor or exhibitors, the only thing that I saw that was different is the fact that you were asked to wear a mask. Um, I'm not saying that there weren't other things maybe in the protocol that I was physically unaware of, but in terms of just normal show activity, they're, they're asking you to social distance as best you can. And that is, that is a challenge at, at a livestock show, obviously. But they were asking you to wear a mask and, and reminded you very firmly a few times. And I think there were exhibitors that were very put out on that. And Ryan, you remember many times and going back to some, to some of your social media posts, I'm a little bit put out that, that most exhibitors came out and said, hey, we'll do anything we need to do for these shows to happen. And then when asked, I'm not saying that we don't go to some of these livestock shows that are, are stating that we need to wear masks and it's not enforced and nobody has to. Those those happen. I, I understand that. But this was real for Glenn Allen and, and to make sure that that show continues. And he had to stop the show a couple times to remind people to put their masks on. And for the most part, everybody would mask up. There were some that still refused to do so. And, and that concerns me because I don't believe Glenn Allen's going to get on the microphone and put everything to a screeching halt unless it's serious that the health department's there and he's in jeopardy of the show not going on. Your thoughts on it? Well, I was not there, but I was getting lots of reports, not from Dale, because when Dale goes to a show, he forgets I exist, which is totally fine. But anyway, other people do know I still exist in text and call and all this other stuff. And so I was getting lots of reports and uh, it started early after they got there. And uh, my whole thing on all of this is I do not understand this concept that some, and I don't think it was everybody, and again, I was not there, so I do not know. But one person is too many. This is kind of like the deaths of the China virus. If you are at the American Royal and all they are asking you to do is to put on a mask. If one person can't do that, it's too many. And the reason why is, and you know, I was in Ohio this weekend at a show, and because of all this and everything I had heard, and I, I got super angry, pretty much, because I just don't understand it. And I, my Grand Drive address was talking about this, and I knew I was at a jackpot show, but this was kind of the first big major show that we've had since Rona. I mean, yes, OIE 
went on for a little bit and then had to be shut down. But this is the first one that has started up since all this Rona craziness. And I am not going to sit here and lie to these people and tell them that I enjoy wearing a mask or that I think wearing my little sequin rhinestone mask over my face and nose is going to prevent me from getting anything. But if that is what we have to do to allow these kids to continue to be in the show ring, chase their dreams and goals, I don't understand what the mm, anyone's problem is. And again, one person not complying is too many. And the one thing that I want to remind all you people is we have got, we've had these replacement shows, we've had jackpot shows, we've had all this, and that is great. And we've had probably more opportunities to show than probably a lot of years before, and that is awesome. And I know at these shows you don't have to wear a mask. I judge them every damn weekend, people, and I get it. If we can't have the shows like the American Royal and the major shows and the state fairs or even new major shows that come up and last, if those can't happen, those big shows that have the premium sales for these junior exhibitors, that have the multiple thousands of people there to see those animals on display so they might be interested in continuing to purchase cattle from these breeders and exhibitors there's not going to be a jackpot show in existence because this industry isn't going to be around so put your damn mask on shut up and smile underneath it thank you ryan uh, that that is near perfect and and i and i think for the most part again i'm not going to say when we're we, we're there at 5 30 in the morning and there's three people in the barn i don't think they're too worried about you wearing your mask and i can say that uh, there was times that i didn't have my mask up if i'm walking into the building that early or staying out there later, but by gosh, when, when you get to a show and they do make it very, very clear as Glen Allen did, I believe, and, and I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing this a bit, but I believe during the hog show, and I can only speak for the sheep and, and goat area in terms of where they were uh, pinned. I wasn't in the other areas very much, but I believe during the hog show, Glen Allen comes out and he stops things and he says, okay, everybody look around. Take just a moment to, to look around your, your area. Anyone you see without a mask is the reason you can blame them for the fact this show is not going to continue if we have to be shut down. Let's put your mask on. Once we put the mask back on, we'll start the show back up. That's, that's pretty firm coming from, from a show manager. And again, I think part of it, Ryan, and you alluded to it, we, you and I have both been to, to several shows, and, and you've been to, to as many shows as anybody probably since Rona is my guess, that maybe they're recommending you wear a mask, but, but very few people are. And I stand exactly with Ryan. I think his statements are perfect. I don't believe the mask is doing anything. I think it's probably causing more issues by putting your hand up to the mask more. If you have a person that's positive for the Rona, that's sneezing and coughing, yeah, probably a good idea to put a mask on, but at that point, that person probably shouldn't be out in public anyway. So I, I, I feel very strongly and agree completely with Ryan that we need to do these things. And there are going to be shows that are more lax about it, and maybe they're able to do such. But at the American Royal, there's no question this appeared to be the factor that the show manager and the staff there were concerned about in terms of the health department shutting them down 
And let's go beyond that. The other shows, Arizona National, uh, the Texas Majors coming up. Um, if a show like Kansas City gets a plug pulled on them or a bad report because... Makes it a hundred times oh. more difficult for those shows to happen. And, and, and I, I do not, I'm going to, I do not, and I'm, I, Ryan already told you, we, I do not believe in wearing the mask unless there's a reason for it. I don't believe that it's doing any good, but that does not matter. If, if we're trying to not wear masks to protest the liberals out there that think we all need to have masks on, I get it, but do not do it if it's going to jeopardize the juniors getting into the show ring. It, and it I, becomes that simple. I heard so much about this. Like, I don't even, I think it was Thursday that of last week that I put up a Facebook post. And uh, it was a picture. It said, don't be a mask hole. And I went through and explained a little bit on why this was important, why we need to do it. And it got a whole lot of press. And I don't know how many people liked it, but it was well over a thousand and I got a lot of comments. And, you know, a lot of people commented that, yes, they agreed to do it for the kids, all this other stuff. And then I had a whole bunch of people on there commenting that this was infringing on their civil liberties. They are still living in a free country and all this other stuff. And, again, if you want to protest and you want to do all that, that is fine. I, I support you. I don't believe in it. But what I do believe in is nobody held a gun to your head and told you you had to go to the American Royal and be an asshole and jeopardize these kids from getting to show, not only at this show, but at future shows and events of this size. So if it is that damn important to you to not wear a mask, stay at home and explain to your kid why they're not getting to go to the show. Perfect. And again, in, in looking at the exhibitors in the goat and sheep arena, before they got in the microphone and were very serious about it, I'm going to say maybe 50% compliance. And I could say that that early and, and when I wasn't around people that my mask wasn't on 100% of the time until they make that announcement. And when they make that announcement, the good thing is, Ryan, I'm going to say it went from 50% compliance up to about 85 or, or a little better. But there were still some. And, and I actually had to get on some college-age kids to, to put that mask on after the announcement and their comments where they didn't even have one. Um, I very, very clear that, that you're going to find one and you're going to put that on. So, yeah, it's simple. I think you know where Ryan and I stand on this in, in hopefully for the right reasons. The only other thing that I want to add into this is because I know there's going to be a bunch of people that try to get real cute and real smart about this. Uh, I wasn't at... The American Royal, I will be at Louisville. I'm sure there will be a mask roll, and you will see me with it on the entire time. But I will tell you, because I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, yeah, well, he wasn't there, so it's real easy for him to say all this other stuff. I was at the State Fair of Texas, and I sat there ringside for about eight hours. And everybody knows, right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm a pretty visible figure, and I want one person at the State Fair of Texas, to say they didn't see me sitting there with my mask on over my nose and mouth the entire time because I did it because it was the right thing to do to see those kids show, and they kept yelling on the microphone to tell people to put their mask on. And I did get on to a couple people, and they would say something about, I hate masks, all this other stuff. I said, 
you'll hate loading your shit up and not getting a show even worse. So yeah, if I can do it, we can all damn sure do it. Agreed. And, and Ryan is more disciplined than I, because I, 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 I was there for two days. I can't say that I didn't pull my mask down on occasion, depending on, on what the situation is. And we don't know. And, and as we talked about before, we just have to adjust that if that show's serious about it, guys, we just have to do it. And, and some aren't. And, and I get that. I completely get that. On a positive note, it was impressive. In Hale Arena, they, they moved the sheep. Uh, the market lamb show, I should say, the the market goat show and the market steer show were all going on at the same time in this beautiful arena. It was nostalgic. It was it was awesome. Just walking in there and, and being able to go on the bleachers and you could see all three rings going at the same time and listen to those judges discuss those classes. It probably slowed things down just a touch because you have three rings sharing basically a microphone so they don't talk over each other. So no question it slowed the process down, but I'll tell you what, it was pretty darn impressive to, to be able to see that. And it, it made me feel good. And, and the numbers were really good on the sheep and goat side. I, I don't know if the steer numbers were about the same or not, but it was impressive. And I compliment the American Royal for doing that. And one more thing that's more specific to, to the goat side and, and uh, I'm sure on the cattle side, it's been in place for a while, but They've had a rule in, in place that they're, you're not allowed to put any twine or fake hair on the legs. And I don't care whether you do twine or put fake hair on or don't. It doesn't matter to me. I can go whatever direction and support whatever direction that the show wants it to be. But it appears to be very strong that there's very few large junior shows in the country that we can put fake hair on. And, and I think last year we saw quite a bit at the American Royal, but then you had some that were following the rules in the book that didn't do it, that were at a severe disadvantage. So my point is, I appreciate the fact that it was enforced evenly. And again, I don't care which way it goes, but this year they said no fake hair. And they had a gentleman sitting at the check-in area that has a cattle background and has fit some goats. He gets it. He was able to look at those, pull on some of those legs and by gosh, to my knowledge, I'm not saying there weren't any that made it through with, with some fake hair on, but for the most part, it wasn't a significant number. And the fact that everybody was able to go in and compete on an even playing field is exactly how it needs to be. Now that could be, let's, let's open it wide up and put fake hair on, but let everybody know that so they can all do that. I don't, again, I'm not promoting necessarily one direction or the other, but we do need to make sure that when we enforce rules, it's enforced evenly across the field, and I compliment our sheep superintendent, the gentleman there at the makeup ring, and Glen Allen for enforcing those kind of things and, and putting everybody on the same playing field. In addition to doing some some drug testing afterwards, where they pulled blood, it was good. I I, I know that people were upset about the mask, but I'll tell you what, I've been to the American Roll many times, and I think it's always been a great show. But the fact that they're trying to implement things and, in my opinion, make it better for these youth, I compliment them on an American Royal in 2020. That not only happened, but I think they, they did a nice job adapting to everything they had to adapt to. And I'm also going to compliment the exhibitors outside of the mask. In the sheep and goat area, we had to, to fit upstairs, walk them across the barn, down a very long ramp into the Hale Arena. So it, it, you were a long ways from the show ring. And I never heard one person complain about that. And that's the kind of attitude that we need to have. And if we can transfer that attitude into wearing a mask when they ask us to do so or they get on that microphone, that means it's serious, guys. And, and we do need to put them on and, and accommodate because 
they aren't going to do that. That I can promise you that Glenn Allen doesn't like to wear a mask and other show officials do not like to, but they're doing it because they're concerned that things were going to get shut down and it's going to cause other shows to have more difficulties hosting those shows because of it. So I'm, I'm thrilled with American Royal. I thank all of those that were there, that it actually was pulled off and still going on, obviously, for 2020. And Ryan, one, one side note, and I'm not sure how to, to address this, but the haunted houses were open. Duh, I saw your picture. And do you want to know something else about the haunted houses? There was no social distancing or mask. No. I, how can they run thousands of people through these? And, and literally, they're, you're, you're, there's no way to control it in a haunted house. You're backed up. One person holds on onto your shirt and somebody else right in front of you. They did ask you to wear a mask. And I'd say the majority of the people going through did keep their masks on. You'd hear somebody hollering at them to put it on once in a while. But it shocked me. It was outside of a mask. It was normal. Maybe even pushing more people through faster than usual. But if if you wanted to, to talk about somewhere that had a lot of people going through one area without social distancing, the American Royal was less of a risk than what those haunted houses were. If we want to say, here's here's a place that maybe COVID could spread. So I don't understand it, but it did open my eyes to maybe it's just a little more political on on what's allowed to happen and what isn't, which shouldn't be a surprise to me. But it took going to a haunted house for you to figure that out. It, it, it uh, embarrassingly enough, yes, to a certain degree. I, I guess I just thought with this we could get a little past it on, on some of it. I, I assumed that the liberals were trying to shut everything down, but maybe there there are exceptions for certain things. And when there's that much money generated from something like that, not that the American Royal doesn't. But maybe it is about the dollars and cents, and those that are bringing huge dollars in are, are going to get away with it. it. It's hard telling with the local officials there, but it was all good. Enjoyable trip out there. I enjoyed spending time with a lot of our show families, and, and it was special. And this one will be remembered for a long time, partially because it's the first one that big show that was able to get pulled off in 2020 and, and with minimal is what I would consider it restrictions. Go Team American Royal. Absolutely. Now that we've both been on our soapboxes, let's move on to something else. What would you like to tell us? Is there anything else in current events you would like to talk about, Tom? There is one thing I'd like to talk about. Oh, good. I'm more so waiting. I've been disconnected, as usual. (laughs) But I would like you to discuss Hunter Biden just a little bit for us, Ryan. Well, Hunter, Lord. I mean, He is a personal friend, I believe. Of course he is, duh. Okay. (laughs) I mean... But yeah, no. He appears to have a lot of friends from for the little bit that I'm exposed to it. I, I have seen some train wrecks in my life, but this boy has got to be right up there with the best. And so for like that, I mean, yeah, he's winning a lot of awards. Unless you're tone deaf or mute or don't turn on a TV of any kind or watch social media, you know that um, Hunter Biden took in a laptop to get repaired. And never came back and picked it up. And then in December, that computer shop turned it over to the FBI, but they also copied the hard drive. And now political operatives have it. And so a lot of this stuff is getting pushed out. And I mean, there's everything from supposedly pictures of him smoking crack to, you know, in sexual situations, there are a treasure trove of emails where it the emails show and talk about 
pay for play, for, you know, getting access to what was then Vice President Biden. There's one email specifically that one of the guys at Burisma, where Hunter was working at the time, or sat on the board, thanked him for introducing him to Joe and getting to spend some time together. There's another one talking about expectations of Hunter's appointment on this board and access to people. There's one that has a, a breakdown of the kickbacks and how they're going to be divvied out to people. I mean, it's all kind of a mess. They keep saying more is to come. And I know that this is real hard to believe. And I don't know. No one has come out and said this is definitely Hunter Biden's laptop. They have his signature on it signing from the computer shop saying, yes, work on this for these reasons. Uh, It had his correct cell phone at the time on it. It has a signature that, I mean, nobody can, but it looks like Hunter Biden's signature. I mean, I'm not a handwriting expert, but from the other examples they've shown, it looks pretty similar. Uh, All this other stuff. But the problem is, is no one from the Biden campaign is saying, these are not Hunter's emails. This is not Hunter's laptop. No, that's not him smoking a crap pipe in a picture. No one's saying that. Not, not, only, not, not even one of their, their surrogates. Nobody. Nobody. Zilch. Zero. The only, the only statement that has been made, and it was made one time, about this, and it was from the campaign official, not even from Sleepy Creepy Joe, was that on Vice President's official calendar, there was no meeting with this person from Burisma that was highlighted in this email. But we all know, and it is vast knowledge, that every political official, elected official, etc., also has an unofficial calendar. And they won't comment about that. So the fact that he is not, and no one is saying anything about this other than Dale's man crush, Chuck Schumer, who is saying it's all Russia intervention and the Kremlin did it all, which... The director of foreign intelligence did come out yesterday and say that, no, that's not correct. So Chuck, Chucky's theory is blown. No one is denying any of this. Like, that's insane. That, the, the Chuck Schumer thing, I, got to, I, I, I saw that clip. That man is either a habitual liar. I mean, I, I can't no, even No, he's begin. a pathological liar is what he is. Or, or he just – so you assume he's a liar. He knows better. He has to. He doesn't believe any of this crap. He's he continued out to spout that shit out today after the man said yesterday, there is nothing. We do not have anything that Russia has done any of this stuff. Like said it about all this and said, quit putting this out there because that is false information. Chucky's still talking about it today. And, um, and, and, and I'm going so, yeah, to go back. He's a pathological liar. I'm gonna go to Hunter's computer. I'm, I I guess maybe I'm I'm unclear why he dropped it off. Did he was he getting rid of it or wanting it no. get worked on? What was the reason? He needed it worked on water damage. Got it. <laughs> With all that information on there, I'm I'm not. I'm sure he wasn't in his right headspace. I'm just saying. I think the boy's got more than a few problems. 
I was thinking maybe it was a pawn shop or something. He unloaded no, it's that. A, no, it's a computer <laughs> workshop. I mean, it's a, they fix computers. Amazing, and you can't make this shit up. And they ha- and he had to sign some. He had to sign something saying that you know, yes, you were allowed to work on this laptop because and you know the reasons that he brought it in there. Also, two of his business partners, one is in jail, the other one is awaiting his sentence. The one that's in jail, according to Tucker or Laura or Hannity last night, I can't remember which one, he has given this one reporter access to like over 25,000 of his personal emails that is going to even get this more complicated for poor Hunter. Because he thinks that everyone should need needs to know how corrupt the Biden family is. And that just went down last night. Now, again, how much can you trust somebody that's in jail? I don't know. But that was the word last night. So, And I, I don't know that you need to trust him. I think he's just turning over the emails. There's really no trying to take his word for it. He's trying to throw out their emails between him and, and Hunter and, and the other business associates. I'm saying that reporter guy, how much can you trust that what this guy's telling you is in there is actually going to be in there? You know what I'm saying? That's what I absolutely No, It's, it's amazing. And, and, and I'm not saying that, that I'm going to be gullible and buy into everything they're saying about it. But when you've got this many, you, you physically couldn't make that many emails up. You couldn't, this, this, what I'm getting at, this is real. I don't know how deep it goes, but there's no doubt in my mind it's real. And I, I really hope they get to the bottom of it. And while we're talking about that, um, I believe the New York Post is the one that broke the article, right? Yes, that New York accurate? Post. And it has the fourth largest circulation of any newspaper in the country. So this is not some, you know. No, legitimate. You know, gossip rag that you buy at the grocery store checkouts. And when Twitter and Facebook block that story, are you kidding me? Big tech. Those are your people. You love them. This is if you want to talk about manipulating the election, you want to try to say the Russians are doing it, which I don't doubt they're trying to cause disarray. I don't doubt that China and 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 you've got Joe Biden and his surrogates out there saying, "Well, they they all want Trump as president." I can promise you that China and Russia do not want Trump. He has been as hard on them as anybody, harder than anybody. And when I when I think about the the fact that there is collusion, there is interference. I'm going to point to big tech right now. Every time I try to place something on Facebook, oh, if it Lord, says here anything, we go. anything at all that would wait towards a conservative, I have to post things five different times adapting it so it's allowed to be released. They continue to reject anything that I put up there. And it's, it's just proof similar to what we found with the, the New York Post. They're, they're controlling what everybody sees. And unfortunately... Twitter, Facebook, social media is where a lot of our news and media and information is coming from. And when they're manipulating it, that's that's nothing short of manipulating the the election. And it, it appears as though they're going to be testifying in front of the Senate committee here shortly, and I hope they hang them. And again, you know, like Facebook and Twitter are the two that really suppressed the story, didn't let it out. Twitter blocked a lot of its followers and froze their accounts and all, if they tried to share the story, all this stuff. And it... That is what a lot of the GOP elected senators and congressmen are saying, that this is point-blank election interference. And I guess the one thing that I think, 
you know, will this sway voters? I don't know. I think it should. Will all this come out? Will anything happen? I, I'm not sure. I do think big tech is in for a rude awakening after this. because I, I know, hope they are. And so if anything positive comes out of this, I do think that part is going to happen. But that's kind of the big thing. And then the other, only other big thing, or two things, well, your boyfriend Joe, Saturday he was not on the campaign trail. Sunday he made one stop. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, he is not having any events because he's busy preparing for the debate and hiding from his son's antics of the laptop. And so he's only going to go to this debate on Thursday night. And as of now, uh, Friday and Saturday and Sunday after the debate, he has no nothing planned. I'm, I mean, not saying there won't, but they have announced that he will not be taking questions or making any campaign appearances till after the debate on Thursday. And again, debate on Thursday, of course, it's all kind of screwy because we had the moderator for the second debate that got thrown out. He's now been fired because of all his antics on Twitter. This young lady that is doing this debate, her family has given Barack Obama over $20,000. She has personally given Joe Biden's campaign money. Uh, She's obviously a Democrat, even though she says she's an independent, but she has never given a Republican of any sort any type of funds. She's going to be the moderator. Now they have put in a mute button. So when the first topic comes up, the two minutes that they both have to respond, it they're going to mute the other person so they can't be interrupted. That's causing some drama. The topics are causing drama. I'm not convinced this is all going to happen. I'm hoping it does. But regardless whether there is a debate or not, we are going to have a Beyond the Circus episode next week about the state of the election a week out. So that will be happening next week. Hopefully it'll be released first part of next week, but not sure yet because Dale's very busy. He, he just has a lot of scheduling Thank you, problems. Ryan. Thank He's you. very busy. But, Back to uh, the, the moderator. I think there's only one hope that we have that she's going to be impartial to a certain degree or closer to it is that she appears to be under the microscope. It's, it's very open that, that these issues are in play. And I'm hoping that she's feeling that pressure and, and tries to keep it as even as possible. I don't, I don't believe it'll happen, but, but we can hope. You, you also had hope for Chris Wallace and I told you, you were wrong then. And I'm going to tell you you're wrong again. (laughs) And I don't, I don't know this chick nearly as well as I know Chris Wallace, but I'm going to say that you're going to be sorely disappointed. I hope not, but you're, you're probably correct again on that one. And the Chris Wallace, I I will not live that one down. And I, I'm calling for him to be fired by the way, officially. I know. I don't think, If you get it done, dude, I'm going to throw you a party, but I appreciate it. uh, Do you have any other current events, sir? No, I think that that takes care of current events. And now we get to go to my topic because this is all you people out there (laughs) listening. This was all the gay. Dale did not want to do this. He did not excited about it. That is incorrect. Lies. That man lies. I tell the Incorrect. Truth. This was all the game. And so his, all his topics, eh, this is going to be the best episode ever. I'm so excited. 
this will be a very good episode. What the gay doesn't realize is that we have myself trying to set up four separate interviews and, and make sure that Clifton can get on our producer and, and make sure it technically all works. So that part is, is a little challenging, but the children are our future. I'm going to send you the Whitney Houston song. Okay. So <laughs> when we get this pulled off, I, I, I agree with Ryan. It's going to be amazing. And, and I'm sure we'll get it done. I think they're more technologically advanced than Ryan and I. We have a lot of technical issues, but these kids aren't going to have any. It should be easy. But we are about to interview the four young people that exhibited the Grand Champion Market Animals at the American Royal. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> including the steer, the barrow, the market goat, and the market lamb. So we're excited to do so. Yes, I am very excited. And again, this was my idea. This was the gay's idea. Let's get to it. Ryan, it's time to bring on four of the superstars in the junior livestock arena into Beyond the Ring. These four exhibitors recently showed the grand champion market animals at the 2020 American Royal. First up is Hayden Schroeder from Texas. Ryan, if you want to jump in. Well, first of all, I'm a little partial to this young man because I've been at shows with him and he has got a great personality and he is a superstar showman and always has great stock. But Hayden, thank you for being on Beyond the Ring. How are you today, sir? Good. How are y'all? Good. Uh, tell us a little about yourself, Hayden, and where you're from and your involvement in junior livestock shows so the listening audience can get to know you a little better. Well, my name is Hayden Schrader, and um, I'm from Zephyr, Texas, very central. Uh, I live on a ranch with my uh, mom and Jamie. And uh, we run about 800 head of goats, I'd say, and uh, have a couple satellite flocks here and there. And, uh, well, I show sheep and goats, but I've had a little more, more, a little more success on the goat side. Uh, I also do livestock judging and play a couple sports. And this is your 15th time to win the American Royal? <laughs> uh, seems like it. It's my third, actually. That's amazing. Congratulations again. Thank you. And obviously, you're very busy with that many goats. I wouldn't even know what to do with all that. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Hayden, congratulations uh, from, from this side as well. You mentioned you're involved in some sports and showing some lambs as well. Yes. Obviously, your your primary focus, I'm assuming, is on, on showing goats and showing lambs. But uh, can you elaborate a little bit on, on some other things you're doing outside of the show ring? Well, like I said, livestock judging, um, I've gotten real big into that. Our team was second high at uh, the Texas State uh, 4-H contest this year, and I had uh, the honor of getting second high individual in that too. Uh, Unfortunately, we were supposed to head to Denver, and uh, that obviously got canceled. So uh, that was a big loss for our team. Uh, I got to see everybody else go to Kansas City, which is kind of a bummer, but I'm happy for them. I also play uh, football. And baseball. I've been playing uh, baseball forever, ever since I could remember. I've played on numerous travel teams, uh, gotten really involved in that. I've kind of just started to pick up uh, football in my middle school years and then uh, on into high school. This year is actually my first year to get to play on varsity. Excellent. And and kind of a side note, Aiden, since you're involved in, in the high school sports and obviously the livestock judging and showing junior livestock, uh, with COVID, which which do you think it's hit harder? Um, are we seeing the sports happening? Where where are you at in Texas with that? During the spring, whenever that 
COVID first started hitting. That was uh, my mid-baseball season. That was my first year to play baseball uh, for high school, obviously. And uh, that just got completely shut down. I mean, just no sports were happening at that point. Uh, we didn't. I think we played like five games, didn't even get into district play. And um, that's around the same time that Houston got hit. And then that's uh, that kind of kind of escalated from there. I'd probably say what's been hit the hardest, in my opinion, has been the shows, just because of uh, all the people that I know around that uh, area and all the people that I know that are involved with that and having to uh, either just get completely canceled or having to do it, taking videos of their stock and sending that in. I just think that's absolutely absurd. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of with you on there. I, I appreciate that they have the opportunity to do something there, but let's hope 2021 is better. Agreed. See, Dale, I told you I love this kid. <laughs> Hayden, tell me a little bit about your grand champion market goat there at the American Royal. Did he have a name? What was the out of? Sire Dam? You know, give me the 411 on this beast. Originally, he was in one of our online sales. Uh, we, uh, Got him from that, obviously. Um, I think we turned him in at about 100 and 106 pounds. So he was a big dude. His name was Big Red. He's been in my barn for a couple months now. He's got the sweetest personality. He sits on his butt like a dog and will stick his head through the fence waiting for you to pet him. Love him to death. He is out of our buck, uh, Soldier Boy, which uh, has hit hard for us. I mean, I actually my first year to ever win Kansas City was also out of a soldier boy buck so he's kind of done really well for us uh his mom goes back to an old Pfeiffer doe uh who's made a ton of winners too and really ex- that's really an exciting combo and uh I was more than pleased with him his twin brother was uh the reserve champion I believe at Tulsa this year so really really good set was there anything that you thought made him more exceptional than the other ones there? Or what did the judge find so intriguing about him to make him the big banner-worthy winner? Truly, I think he's just more futuristic. I think that's where the industry's headed as a whole, that power, stout, good-looking kind of animal that can still move on his feet and legs, uh, really cool-looking, huge-footed. And whenever you put your hands on that one's back, I mean, he's – ultra opened up, muscles ripping everywhere. Uh, That's probably the most ripped up goat I've ever shown, uh, pound for pound. And I mean, he was a big dude, so that's just a lot of meat and carcass there. Excellent. Hayden, I had a chance to obviously watch the champion drive and and get up close, and and he was was a beast. Thank you, sir. What are your your future goals in in terms of showing? I'm assuming you're going to continue to to hit the Texas majors and, and, and the national shows. What are your plans? Are you going to continue to stay in the goats, the lambs, branch out a little bit? What are your thoughts? Well, as of now, I can still show at uh, a couple of the Texas majors, and I can obviously show at all the nationals still. I have a a pretty large set of sheep and goats this year, I'd say. Planning on taking them uh, to all the national shows, uh, saying that they stay uh, open and being able to show there. And then um, in the future, uh, I'm probably just going to stick to sheep and goats if I can. That's that's what I'm more comfortable with. I mean, if I ever have the opportunity to branch out into the cattle or uh, into the hogs again, I'd be more than happy to. I enjoy looking at that kind of livestock, and I just believe that all all good livestock is pretty dang fun to show. 
Hayden, if you ever want to get into the cow world, you just call me, son, because I'm all about it. But in kind of in conclusion here, do you have any advice for other exhibitors or anybody you want to give a shout out to for your multitude of success? Or um, what are your future plans after your continued domination in the show ring? <laughs> just kind of sum it up for us here. Yeah, if I was going to give anyone any advice, it'd be just watch. Uh, watch the people that are winning. Watch what they're doing. See what really uh, their routine is because I believe that's what I did uh, growing up, and I believe that's what's helped uh, us uh, come into this kind of success. My future plans are I'm probably uh, going to livestock judge in college, obviously. Um, I don't know exactly where I want to go yet. Uh, there's a couple of uh, options that are really intriguing to me. Uh, we'll see whenever the time comes. I still got a little bit of time because I'm a, just a sophomore now. And um, just go from there. I want to continue raising good livestock, whichever species it is. Just make the good ones the best that I can. That's awesome, Hayden. Well, when you get ready for that livestock judging part of your career, you hold out for the best offer because I'm sure lots of schools are going to want you there. Yes, sir. I sure hope so. Well, Hayden, congratulations on all your successes. And, and you are, are one out there that's probably as recognizable for sure in, in the goat ring. And I know you've had some success in the lamb ring. But we appreciate you coming on Beyond the Ring, and, and we look forward to seeing you in the future. Thanks for having me. Ryan, we have a young lady up next that has obtained celebrity-like status in the market lamb arena. This is the exhibitor of the grand champion market lamb at the 2020 American Royal. We welcome Madison Rule into Beyond the Ring. Hello. Madison, congratulations on your big win last week. Uh, tell us and our listeners just a little bit about yourself and what all you're involved in. Okay, I am 17. I'm a senior in high school. I live in Northwest Iowa. And I've been showing since I was about eight years old, but I started to really get competitive when I was around 13 or 14. Something that really kind of set that off was my reserve grand at National Western in 2017. It kind of just went from a point of, oh, I'm just showing these sheep because it's fun, which it still is fun, but it kind of gave me a more competitive look at it. But hey, like if I actually like apply something, I could actually do this and accomplish these things. Excellent. So that was kind of your, your launching point to say, wow, I can get this done. I can be more competitive. Yes, sir. What other activities are you involved in outside of the show ring? Besides FFA and 4-H, I'm in band in school. Excellent. And, and would you say your primary focus is, is showing lambs? Yes. If you ask my dad, he'll say I'm not very athletic. When I was about my sister's age, he's like, hey, so you can either do softball or you can show sheep. You're not going to do both. Like, I think I'm going to show sheep, Dad. I'm not very good at softball. <laughs> I love it. Madison, uh, tell us a little bit about that winning sheep there at the American Royal. Where'd you get it? What's it out of sired by? And did you, what put that one over the top? So my lamb was a 270 pound weather named Shrek. And I named him Shrek because a lot of the other shows that we took him to, all the judges always talked about how he was huge backed and huge hipped, but he had never really quite gotten the big break that we wanted from him yet. But he finally got it done, the American Royal. And he is an Andy Sloan weather. Compared to your other lambs, was this one of your favorite ones disposition-wise or anything special about him in terms of having him all year long? Yes, I had him ever since he was young, and 
he's kind of been stubborn, especially since he's so big. It was kind of hard to break him just because, I don't know, it was a little hard to manage, you know? Hence the name Shrek. (laughs) Big, stubborn. That's about the inspiration I had for it. There you go. And sometimes those stubborn ones are, are the best ones. And it seemed to work out very, very well this year. That I didn't get to see a lot of the Market Lamb show there, but but kind of looking across the ring, it was as deep and as tough as maybe any Market Lamb show I've seen. So that that was a huge win, Madison. I think you are in this business and you understand the magnitude of it. And it's something that a lot of kids dream about, about achieving. And, and you certainly got to that point. Moving forward in to the other shows this year and, and beyond, you've got a couple of years left or a few years left at the national shows. What are your future goals going back into the show ring or even outside the show ring? Well, if I'm being honest with you, Dale, I think I may have peaked. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Do you have anything on feed for, for Arizona or any of the other shows? Um, yes, sir. We're planning on going to Louisville and Arizona for the time being. We're still trying to kind of move stuff around. So we've got around five sheep on feed at, the, at this moment. So we kind of have to sort out who we're taking where and which shows we're going to and how they work with our schedule as well. Excellent. And you can't have peaked because Ryan and I plan on bringing the champion exhibitors back from Louisville and Phoenix, and, and we need you back on here, Madison. So we, we can't say we've peaked yet. I think the reason I say I've peaked is because my main goal was to have a grander reserve at every national show I'm eligible for, which would be... Exarvin, Kansas City, Louisville, Denver, and Phoenix. I now have a grand reserve at all of those shows, and I kind of achieved my goal. That is awesome. That is that is a huge goal too. And sometimes we talk about non-realistic goals, but wow, that that's that's impressive. Thank you. You're definitely winning a whole lot there, girl. But uh, in kind of synopsis and summing this up, do you have any advice for other exhibitors or anyone you want to give a huge thanks out to and? Just kind of sum it up for us, your experience. So some advice that I've been getting over and over over the years is push, don't pull. I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think the advice that I would give younger generations would be, yes, you need to take it seriously, but you also need to kind of appreciate like what your parents are doing for you and your team and like the time you get to spend with your friends and traveling around to these shows because it ends a lot quicker than you think it will, which I know that sounds like a corny high school quote, but it's true. Well, awesome, Madison. And congratulations again and good luck at Louisville and Phoenix. And I'll probably see you there, but uh, best of luck to you, not only in the show ring, but in whatever you decide to do next, because I'm sure you'll be successful. Thank you. And Madison, that the goals that you've achieved to this point and your reality in terms of how you, you look at this and what you appreciate and reflecting back, and it's fun having you on. I know you, you think maybe you've peaked, but we hope you ha- you're back here soon. Thank you. Next up into Beyond the Ring is a young man from the state of Missouri that has accomplished what many youth across the country can only dream about. Wyatt Collard exhibited the Grand Champion Barrow at the 2020 American Royal. Congratulations, Wyatt. Thank you, sir. Thank you. means a lot. Wyatt, we are really excited to have you here on the podcast. Tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in junior livestock shows, and, you know, just give us a little background on you. Well, I'm from uh, Webb City, Missouri. 
It's a little town in southwest Missouri. And uh, my mom's name is Joy, and my dad's name's Doug, and I got a sister named Morgan. And I'm 17 years old, and I started showing probably when I was like two or three. My sister, she had some pigs uh, at the county fair, and she didn't like it as much, so I just said, I'll take over, and it started from there. I show steers and that, but my main thing is pigs. I like them a lot. Excellent, Wyatt. And, and what other activities besides showing are, are you involved with or showing your, your first priority? I don't do much other than show. I don't have any sports. I just stick to showing cattle and hogs. That's about it. And have you, are you showing both species each year? Oh, uh, yes, sir. Excellent. Wyatt, tell us a little about your grand champion at the Royal. You know, where did you get that individual? Give us some genetic background on him. Uh, I got that hog from Ryan Sites out of Oklahoma. That bear is a Wags. He's a boar at Heimer's. And the mother of that bear is a secret society out of Best Man. And that bear, he was at a sale in Oklahoma, I'm pretty sure. And Brent Bolin, but most people know him as Boots, he found him and called me. And said, hey, I got a bear for you. And I was like, well, just send him on down. Let's see how he looks. And he got here to the house. And I was like, I think this bear can do something. And from day one, I've been on that bear. Like, I've loved that thing for ever. And he was nothing special. Like, he was not on any special feed or anything. He was one of them that you just feed. He's easy feeder. And he was ready to roll. Was there anything that the judge said that made him stand apart or anything that you found particularly unique about that individual? Well, when he came out the gate, the judge would look at him from the front. He'd look from the side and look from back behind. And uh, he looked at that bear from the front and then looked on the side. And he never looked at him again. And that's the only bear the guy that said he was running the gate, he said, that's the only bear I saw that guy do that to that that day. And uh, I was really happy when he said that. <laughs> I bet you were. That, that is exciting, Wyatt. And, and so you had, a, had an idea that you might get along okay that day. Yes, sir. Yes. What are you looking at in terms of some of your future goals? Are you going to bring pigs back to the Royal next year? Are you going to bring a steer? Or, or what, what's your thoughts in terms of your future show ring? Well, I leave tomorrow. I'm headed back up there. I got a Hereford heifer I'm taking. And then I'm going to Louisville in a couple of weeks. And then Arizona. And then I'm going to some of them uh, Denver shows that they got. And will you be taking cattle and pigs to both of the, or to all those? Um, I might take a heifer to one in Oklahoma City. But I'll mainly take pigs to like the Arizona one and Louisville. So how many, how many pigs would you have on feed right now for those shows? I think I got 10 on feed right now. I got four for Louisville and some uh, four for Denver and then two for Arizona. Excellent. Well, we wish you the best when you, you head that direction with those hogs. And hopefully Arizona is able to, to put their show together and get that to pull off. And we've got those replacement shows popping up. So, it looks like there's going to be plenty of places to show them. Yes, sir. 
Wyatt, um, in synopsis here, once again, congratulations. That is a huge accomplishment, and I'm sure you were thrilled. But do you have any advice for any other exhibitors or anybody you want to thank or give a special shout-out to? I want to give a special shout-out to Boots or Brent Bolin. Uh, Jesse Heimer, I want to give a shout-out to my mom and dad for helping me out. And uh, I just want to thank everyone that in that group and that crew that we run around with just to keep keep it going. And I want to tell everyone just to keep on pushing. And winning American Royal was my first major, and it really was a big, big one for me. And uh, I wasn't expecting it. But when it hit me, I still I still don't think I've soaked it in all the way. <laughs> Wyatt, that's that's awesome, and and I mean it is a big one, and there's so so few people that get to to earn that title of of showing the champion bear at the American Royal, and it's pretty special. And it sounds like you've put your time in, and you understand the magnitude of it. And it's it's going to take a while to to soak in, but we sure do appreciate you jumping on here today, and. We'd like to to hear you again. We're going to bring on the champions from several of the larger national shows across the country. So now, now the next one is let's let's do this interview one more time here in the near future, Wyatt. Yes, sir. We'll try. Congratulations again, Wyatt. Thank you, Ryan. Coming into Beyond the Ring next is the exhibitor of the Grand Champion Steer at the 2020 American Royal, direct from the state of Oklahoma. It's the one and only Abby Bell. Abby, welcome to Beyond the Ring. Thank you for having me. Well, Abby, I am so happy for you. I've gotten to know you and your family a little bit over the years, and my heartfelt congratulations to all of y'all involved. I know that, I mean, I have been in your shoes, and so I know what a huge accomplishment that is, and I'm sure that you are still up in the clouds over it all. But uh, tell us and our listeners and our viewing audience just a little bit about yourself and your family and how you got involved in showing cattle. My name is Abby Bell. I'm 18. I'm from Bristol, Oklahoma. I'm a senior at Bristol High School, so I'll graduate this year. And I plan to attend on going to Oklahoma State University. Go Pokes! Go Pokes! And uh, majoring in agriculture communications. We started out showing hogs and my family really hasn't had a uh, any showing background, hardly at all. Um, my dad never showed and, um, my mom showed pigs, um, here and there. So I showed since I was little and up until I was around 11, I always secretly wanted to be in the cattle business because like, it was just like the coolest thing ever. (laughs) And, um, finally I said to my dad one day, I was like, Hey dad, what about, what about this cattle deal? You know, what do you think about it? And, um, looking back now, it seems like he didn't even blink an eye and he had the last, sold the last pig and turned the pig barn into washroom and cool room. And I just cannot thank my dad enough for getting me hooked so quick with that first steer that I just, I just fell in love with it. And, um, the cattle industry as a whole really, and got some more steers and have had a great run with the heifers as well. And by gosh, dad can never say just no more because, he fell in love with it just like I did. And that was only six, seven years ago. So 
And through that process, we've also been raising some cows. Um, we've had 15 donor cows and several hundred of recepts that were actively progressing our herd genetics and we're having some success in raising um, some good ones through that. Um, my sister Ruby um, won grand champion bred known Charlay this year at Charlay Junior Nationals in uh, South Dakota this summer. And that's something my family is very, very proud of and we're excited about. And so it's just crazy to think how much my family has really learned about the cattle industry from that first steer to that first heifer and and how we're still learning and growing through that. So, Abby, you sound so passionate about this, and that that's exciting. What what activities are are you involved in outside of the show ring? Are there other things that you're doing in life? Well, since it's my senior year, everything has been really, really busy. I'm very involved in my FFA chapter. I'm actually the president of my FFA chapter, and um, through that, I like giving speeches and I judge livestock. So. And I'm involved with other leadership um, roles in my school that I'm very active in. I've been selected to be a part of the Oklahoma Agriculture Youth Council with um, the Ag Secretary of State, Blaine Arthur, at the Department of Agriculture. Um, So that's just been a great, great opportunity and experience. Um, I've also been selected to be on the American Farmers and Ranchers Youth Advisory Council that I was elected to this past summer. Um, And that has been a great experience as well. And shout out to AFR. If you're coming to Leadership Summit, um, the kids get excited because it's going to be great. I'm just so blessed to be a part of both of those and all of my face stuff. And they're just, they're definitely shaping me into the leader I hope to become one day. They're just great experiences. Well, dear, tell us a little bit about that steer that won the American role. Where'd you get him from? What's the genetic background and what do you think put that bad boy over the top? Well, his name is Chester. He's a crossbred and, and God we trust. Um, he's raised by Steve Landman and he was sold by Tony Jeffs. Truthfully, I think that he won the grand champion because I mean, his just overwhelming soundness and his just sheer balance and the power and I just love his smoky colors too. I mean, I just love it so much. And um, the judge actually said 10 feet in the ring and I knew he was going to win. And to me, that just, that just kind of says it all. And he did look impressive. And once again, I, I know exactly that moment and that feeling, and I'm sure you're still just overwhelmed, but again, mm-hmm. how cool for you, and especially being a senior. For sure. It was it's really special that it is my senior year and um, that I do get to do it with my brothers and sisters. And through that whole process, you know, I mean, getting our steers at first, we get them and we never, ever choose, you know, whose steers it is or no one choose a specific name for their steer because we all work on them together. I mean, they're all our steers and we're each other's. We help each other's. We, you know, walk each other's steers and, um, and that's how it went at Tulsa. No certain calf was a certain kid. And um, I'm thankful for uh, my mom and dad for preaching that to us. Uh, you know, when we started and um, when we're going through it, that uh, we do this together. And I'm so thankful that we do do it together and we, we do it as a family. So I'm just very thankful for that part, especially. Abby, That that's awesome. What are what are your future goals in the show ring? Do you have steers on feed for the North American or Arizona? Your siblings have some on feed. What what direction do you go from here? 
Um, we're still pushing through. We're, um, we're planning on going to, um, Cattlemen's Congress and OIE. And so we're, um, we're super excited. We're super excited about that. And we're excited that show's going on during Denver. Um, since it did get canceled, we're super kind of sad about that. But, um, a few goals that I have, um, in the show ring, especially, um, really hoping to win Supreme Showman at OIE this year. That's been a goal of mine for um, a while now. And I just love the showmanship deal so much. Um, And uh, I think my top and my family's major goal is to make sure that at whatever show we're going to, that that steer that we're taking is at 12 o'clock, that he is looking his best and we did all that we could. And, um, put our heart and soul into them. So that's our goal. Every time we, we pull up to a show is to make sure that that steer is looking the best he can. And I think outside of the show, my main goal and my passion is to really enhance um, my leadership skills and my communication skills to be able to communicate thoroughly with others about the agriculture industry, because I believe that it's important and there's a need for more people to openly speak about the agriculture industry to people and with people and for the people about the agriculture industry and how important it is. And I just want to be able to have that knowledge on how to communicate the agriculture um, industry effectively. Excellent. Thank you. You are quite the accomplished young lady. And again, (laughs) from me and Dale and to you and your family, a huge congratulations on winning that amazing show with that great steer and good luck in your future endeavors. And thank you for coming on here and sharing a little bit of your story with us. In conclusion, is there anyone that you want to give a shout out to, or if you have any advice for people that are listening on here and want to be that boy or girl that gets that cool trophy at the American Royal, have anything to say to them? I want to tell any any exhibitors of any that's showing any species um, at any age that I want to tell them that it no doubt gets hard. It gets hard staying on a schedule, you know, doing the same thing every day. But I want to say that you cannot stop. You cannot walk away, and you can't stop working for it. You can think about it, but not for long because I believe you'll forever regret it and. And wish you could go back because I know that I'll wish I could go back and, and do it all over again once I'm graduated. But I want to say the most important thing that I want to tell somebody is is to always, always trust in God and trust his plan and trust the process and not lean into your own understanding because he knows what's going to happen. He knows what's best. And I, I've absolutely learned that firsthand and my family's experienced that firsthand with Tulsa and we are just so so thankful I want to thank a a lot of people (laughs) Um, I have so many people that I just want to say thank you and tell them how much I really appreciate and love them from the very bottom of my heart for everything everything they do for me and my family Um, I want to thank Tony and Brandy Jeffs um, Jennifer and Jesse Hubler Charlie and Devin Wilson Annie Rathbun, Wyatt Malone, Kylie North, um, the entire crew kind of help us 
um, every single person that has helped us at shows, um, specifically Denver and KC, that I just want to say thank you for helping me keep me sane and never letting me get too serious when I'm about to show. And I want to thank Devin Cox for pouring his entire heart into every single calf that comes through the show barn. He's there day in and day out and he keeps everything, everything running and on track. And we're very, very blessed to have him in our lives. And I would not be showing (laughs) doing everything I do without my family they're my rocks and I just can never do it without them. And I wouldn't want to do it without them. I'm so lucky to have my mom, my dad, Ruby Grace, Tate and Hadley. I don't know how lucky I, how I got so lucky to have them by my side. And I just love them and I thank them. And I also want to thank American Royal for all the obstacles they've had to face and overcome going through with the show and, and a huge shout out to the generous donors. Um, the Patterson Foundation. Um, I'm very, very uh, appreciative of their generosity. Well, thank you. And again, do not share any of that huge paycheck with your family. Keep it all for yourself (laughs) and buy something really special. Uh, But again, thank you for coming on here. I bet I see you at Louisville, Denver, OKC somewhere. So look forward to that. And congratulations again, girl. Thank you so, so much. And Abby, you're an impressive young lady. We appreciate you coming on to Beyond the Ring and, and sharing your story a little bit with us. We hope to see you in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Ryan, we've had four amazing young exhibitors that found the Grand Champion Honors at the Junior Market Show and the 2020 American Royal, and I think we it's been a privilege having them on. I know. Again, my idea was fabulous, as usual. You should listen to me more often. I, I should. I'm, I'm going to work on that. Uh-huh. We'll see how well that holds out. But. <laughs> Probably not. Exactly. But it was a great idea of mine, and those kids were amazing. And this has been the most fun episode for me so far. And so I look forward to doing this again in the future with all the kids that do so well at these big, important stock shows throughout the nation. So thank you, Dale. Ryan, are you ready for question and answer? I don't know, because I just don't think after talking to all those fabulous kids, I can answer any questions as well as they can. So, I mean, I'll try, but like, I think that we could just call it good after that. Because- <laughs> but we, we have we have people that submitted questions this week. We, we need to give it a try. And that we're very thankful that Pope Joy Livestock Transportation has continued to sponsor the question and answer segment. Please go to their Facebook page for routing and questions and Stephen or Sarah is always happy to answer any questions. And again, I support them 100%. I've used them for a couple of years with no issues. And, and that is a service that we seem to be relying on more and more. Full confidence behind Pope Joy Livestock Transportation. I'm going to have to mate these people because you, you, talk, you talk way higher about them than you ever have me. So like. I've dealt with a lot of livestock transporters and some are really good and some aren't the best. but. But this particular individual, Stephen and his wife, they're they're doing a nice job. With that, we do have a question. Our first one comes from Amanda Weber. What do you look for in a feeder steer project versus a fat steer project? How do you choose them differently to begin with? Manage them differently? Differences in how you want them as a feeder at 800 pounds versus a fat at 1,300 pounds? There's a lot of questions in there, Ryan. Yes, there is. Um... 
I'm trying to... Again, th- this will just prove that Dale doesn't let me see any of these things. I think he wants me to sound like an idiot on no, the airwaves. No, I'm more than but, happy to send them to you, but I think you you do just fine. Right. Um, like, the whole selecting it as a fat stare, that's more like as a judge, and we've been over that a lot because nobody goes out and buys a fat stare just to show, or, I mean, if they do, it's very, very few times. But, like, in terms of a, buying a prospect stare, what young lady is referring to as a feeder stare, Again, I think it kind of goes back to the three basic principles that kind of guide all livestock selection, and that is structural correctness and integrity, muscularity, and show ring look and appeal. And as we've stated on previous podcasts, if you know who you're showing to in the end, then you kind of know where those priorities are weighted if you do some research about that particular judge. So that will help you out. But I I think those are kind of the three principles that guide all livestock selection and sorting, regardless what place or time we are in the feeding period. As far as feeding them, I, we had a episode on feeding. I don't remember which one it was, but that we went into detail on that. And so I would say reference back to that. But uh, again, the one thing that I, I want to stress to everybody is whenever you go and select and purchase these projects, Make sure that the person that you buy them from, you have a good relationship, talk with them, because that person that you get that animal from is going to have the most valuable information about feeding that particular individual. Because if they're the breeder, they know the genetics more, how other ones are fed. Even if they're a broker, they're going to know more about that animal and where they came from than you are. So that's kind of my suggestions there. No, I, I think so. And I'm, I, I could be incorrect, but I can maybe add some clarity. And this might be a regional thing, and I'm not sure where Amanda's from. But I know if, if I spin back the clock even 10 years or so, there, there was a lot of talk about when we have this particular calf in the barn that he's going to make a really good prospect, but maybe not a good fat steer, or this is going to be a great fat steer, but maybe not get along on the prospect show. And I think that is very different for Ryan and myself because if we're out judging a prospect type show in my, and I'm not trying to speak for Ryan, I'm trying to find that prospect that I think is going to mature into the perfect fat steer. So it's all the same in, in my mind and how I'm sorting things or, or evaluating things, but there used to be a very defined line that our prospects could be a little harder bodied. They could be a little freakier, a little more attractive, maybe not going to mature into a great fat steer and still get along really well, where the fat steers that go out and they're maybe just a little more practical looking, a little soggier, or not fat steers, but prospects are going to mature into good fat steers, had a touch more of a fat steer look at that time, maybe weren't getting along as well in the prospect shows. And I understand as we feed them harder and we get fat on them, we're going to body down and those things are going to come. But I believe at one point there was definitely a more defined difference between what we'd call here's a really good prospect that may or may not mature into that really good fat steer and almost selecting for different types even though we had the same end goal does that make any sense Um, at all right yeah no i'm with you now i took the question completely wrong if that's what i I don't know for sure how it was and like i said that's my that that train of thought is still there a little bit i'm not gonna lie to you i like said i was at a show this weekend in ohio judging prospect steers and heifers pretty much and those of you that follow my facebook y'all saw that i used two shorthorns so i said that i launched my campaign 
to be the National Shorthorn Lassie Queen this weekend, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> but uh, the steer that was third overall uh, under me, a silver steer, I was talking to the guys at the backdrop, and they said, you know, we think he'll make a much better market steer than a jackpot steer. And not that he's not a good jackpot steer, he is. But, I mean, I get it. He's He's one of those that's, you know, already got that easy feeding look, and it looks like he's going to just continue to get stouter. And so, yeah, that train of thought and ideology is still out there in some ways. And so if that was the question, I guess Dale, if that's what she meant in terms of the answer, I guess Dale hit it right. Probably need to ask two other people (laughs) other than us because I don't really go when I'm judging, and I don't think Dale does either, I don't judge them differently. I I look at them as young animals that which one do I think is going to be the most successful in the end? And I tell people all the time, I don't have a crystal ball and everything in life is a product of genetics and environment. And I don't know the genetics and I don't know the environment that this animal is going to be raised in. But if everything were similar and I was raising and feeding that animal then I think this one would be the best in the end, and that's pretty much why it's going to win. Nope, I, I think so. And, and Ryan and I, and I it, it does confuse me because I think the whole premise of judging a prospect show is just what you talked about. I'm I'm trying to project them out to where I think this is the one I'd take home and feed. Maybe that's the easiest way to put it into a fat steer. And- Literally, I say that all the time. If I if I had a trailer here and I could take one up, back it up, and take one home, it would be this one and that one. Why? I mean, I I probably make that statement at almost every show I judge. And Amanda, I, so I apologize. Ryan and I are the worst two to ask this one. But at the same time, I think maybe we should make that campaign and, and promote just a little bit that maybe we need to tweak that philosophy a little. And, and that same calf should be able to win as a prospect as a fat steer. That's, that's where I'm at. And I hope we can go that direction. Yeah. The next question, we've kind of hit on this one pretty hard already comes from Doug Hunt, so we can kind of just just a short recap maybe. His question is, or statement, I know we all have our own opinions in regards to the effectiveness of masks. However, I believe the majority of us are willing to tolerate wearing one if it means we get to have a livestock show. After attending the American Royal this week, it seems like there are a large number of individuals that won't even tolerate the wearing the mask to help junior shows happen. Do you gentlemen think that will come to show managers dismissing the individuals that won't comply to the show rules. Hey, I am all for ejecting them. Now, if, especially <laughs> if it's an adult. If it is an adult, ship their asses out of there if that's going to keep the show going. I, I, I kid, again, I don't know if I could do that, but y'all going to get me worked up again because, like, I'm No, serious. we better this just, just breathe, calm, calm just, it down. Oh. I swear, I'm probably going to go nuts on somebody at Louisville. I can see it now. I'm just going to like, yeah! So, so Doug, I, I think we've already really hit on this question hard, but Glenn Allen did not ever say he's going to kick people out or exhibitors out, but he, he basically held the show by delaying the show or, or threatening it to not go on for fear that the whole thing's going to be canceled. But I think that's maybe one thing you put on the table. I guess that's more fair because those that are complying should be allowed to show, but those that don't comply, you you don't have to be there if, if you're not willing to comply. And and I know some shows are not going to make you wear a mask, even though they say you're you're supposed to wear them. 
I get it. And that's fine. I, I appreciate not wearing one. But there was a point at the American Royal this weekend during the junior market shows that you could come in a little laxed and, and they weren't saying much about it. So you're not real sure. Put your mask on, have it around your chin, whatever. But when they got serious about it, my gosh, if you don't put it up then because they're for fear of the health department shutting them down, then you probably just need to, to go home if, if you're not willing to do that or don't have a medical reason why you can't do that. And if it comes to the point that we've got to eject people from the show, I know what we say all the time, and I stand by this, if you can't enforce the rule, then don't have the rule. I will volunteer my services to be the sole person on the ejection committee at any show that needs one. I'm also going to hire a really large bodyguard type bouncer person to go around with me, but I will help out. <laughs> You're I'll on be it. more than happy to enforce it. Okay, the last question we have, I'm going to modify this question considerably, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but I think we've kind of addressed it earlier in other episodes. But Levi Richards asked, what kind of prospect steer will a certain judge want? He actually had the name of this judge down. Does he or she have a specific type or kind? I'm not going to throw the name of that judge out there and and have Ryan and I try to predict what that person's going to use, because as soon as we do that and they don't use that exact same one, or we have some varying opinions out there. Oh, so we're, we're not going to go down there. But in general, Levi, I think, yeah, it's a good idea to kind of know what that judge is doing. If you've only got one steer or a couple steers in the barn, you really don't have a choice. But the choice becomes if you hear a certain judge is coming in and you've watched that judge before, or you have a pretty good review on that judge, if it doesn't fit the kind of animal you have by any means, Unless you want to go there for a social outing, maybe you should look to go to a different show. And Ryan and I have talked about this. I hope there are more shows, and that's the only way we're going to continue to improve the judges that come in is the exhibitors choose to show to certain judges, and they choose not to show to other judges. That will ultimately dictate who's sorting these shows. And these people need to be ones that the exhibitors want to show to. So in general, it's good, and in the Texas majors is different than the North, as Ryan and I had discussed, and Ryan went into a lot of detail. In our families down there, they may have 12 goats on feed for, for one child because you have five majors to hit along with State Fair and some other shows. Well, you can kind of sort, okay, we've got five majors. Let's gear this goat to this show because he's he's that guy's type, or let's gear this goat to, to this show because we have a certain young lady judging that's really going to like that attractive look. We can do some of that. Sometimes we don't have those kind of numbers and we don't have those options, but we do have an option whether we go show to them or not. In terms of reaching out and asking about certain judges, I'm glad that this individual did. I actually, because Dale brought this to my attention, I did respond to this person that I had never seen the judging question sort steers before. But again, I've put all my information out there If y'all have questions about certain judges and stuff, I mean, feel free to contact me. I haven't seen every judge in America sort of every type of show there is. If I have seen one judge and I've got a pretty good read on that person, whether it's him or her or whoever, I'd be more than happy to share that information with you. But again, I just have not seen every judge that's going to judge every single show in America sort every type of deal. But if I am able to help, I'd be glad to. Excellent. And and Ryan, as we conclude, your idea on bringing these junior exhibitors in was one of the best. I hope it's as well received as, as we think it will be. Until next week, be safe. 
Y'all come back now, you hear? 